Welcome to The Lex Factor, a lawfully good podcast where we'll brief you on the business of law so you can build a better practice and capture more billable hours. Welcome to another episode of The Lex Factor. And it is a very, very special episode today because Brad Pauble, that's me, is the host for once. I've never actually had the opportunity to host. Uh, my my uh, previous host would rub it in my face constantly that I am the co-host. So for this one opportunity, I get to shine and do whatever I want. It's crazy, right? They let the, the co-host have the mic for the day. So it's very exciting. I'll, I'll clap for myself because Lauren always claps for me. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. But we do have a guest with us today. It is a returning guest, and I'm very excited to welcome Jessica Markham back to the Lex Factor. Welcome. Hi, Brad. Thanks for having me. Yeah, Happy absolutely. To be back. Yeah, it's it feels different now that I'm the host, right? It's more lively. It feels more exciting. You didn't need her. You can hold oh down the fort. I love it. I love it. Remember, <laughs> a guest that I didn't prompt her to say that anybody. She said that all on her own. Do you mind uh, reintroducing yourselves for those that maybe haven't heard the previous podcast? Not at all. Um, so again, my name is Jessica Markham. I'm the owner and managing principal of Markham Law Firm, which is a family law firm in Bethesda, Maryland, which is a couple miles right outside Washington, D.C., um, we practiced exclusively family law, all aspects of family law in Maryland and D.C. And today, I think uh, we have a very important topic. Uh, we're talking about how to go to that next level in your law firm, how to grow, how to take it to that next level, how to really expand your business. And I know in previous podcasts, we had just tons of different opportunities to talk to people about, you know, the culture and people and revenue and metrics and just you name it, uh, everybody has a secret sauce for growing that particular piece of their business. What do you believe is that secret sauce, Jessica? Mm. Um, I think my secret sauce kind of goes back to the last time I was on the podcast. So the last time we really talked about creating a happy law firm work environment. And I think that's been my secret sauce because um, it's been, I'm not going to say easy, but I have been very fortunate in attracting and retaining really amazing attorneys and they're happy. And other law firm owners ask me why my attorneys are so happy. So I think that has been a special sauce, but I have also a lot of other um, tips and things that I wanted to share with the listeners as well. Yeah. Well, before we go into those tips, you know, I couldn't agree more that a happy employee is going to be more productive. Your customers are going to feel that. They're going to feel like they're a part of something that's bigger. Um, not only your employees as well feeling like they're a part of something bigger, but, you know, just the whole dynamic that is when a customer comes in in a difficult part of their lives and trying to reach out for help, uh, they're going to feel like, you know, they can trust you and, and, and drive towards that. So before we get into your tips, uh, what are some of the things that you do uh, going into our previous podcast a little bit to just make your employees happy? One is sort of a reasonable um, billable hour requirement. Um, I don't believe in overburdening everybody because I want them all to be performing into their highest capacity. So I really try and keep their workload manageable and just be during business hours. I don't expect them 
to work evenings or weekends. And I encourage them not to work evenings and weekends. And we check in a lot to make sure that they have a caseload that allows for them to really, really work hard during work hours and to unplug during non-work hours. We really focus on employee um, sort of training, mentoring. Um, We offer lots of different um, resources beyond just regular CLEs, um, coaching. We bring in speakers, um, professional development. We sort of um, try and nurture our employees and mentor our employees to grow in their careers. Um, make their make a name for themselves, differentiate themselves in the market. Um, all those things are, you know, those are just some of the ways that I think um, we set ourselves apart as an employer. Sure, we we received quite a bit of feedback from your previous podcast, especially around. Uh, you know, that work-life balance. But we did receive a question uh, that was more specific around how much should you budget for those type of activities? When is it too much? When is it not enough? You know, obviously, when reading that question, I'm thinking about it depends on your people and how receptive they are to it. But how would you answer that question? To budget for um, uh, bringing in speakers, uh, just mm-hmm. uh, you know, any uh, extra activities that you would do. Obviously, work home balance is you know a separate topic, but just those things that you bring in to help educate them and continue to grow. Uh, in the previous podcast, you also talked about activities and things like that. So, just how yeah. much should be spent on that? I, I would assume they're thinking, you know, like a percentage or or how do you gauge when it's successful? We actually don't spend as much as you might think. So we have a meeting. Um, we used to do it every Thursday, and now it's not every Thursday. It's maybe every other Thursday um, where we bring in a speaker to talk to the entire firm on Zoom about a particular topic. And for the m- most of them, we don't pay. Um, they're using it as sort of a marketing opportunity in like a more of a non-traditional sense. So Mm -hmm. for example, we've had financial advisors come in and talk to us about life insurance or disability insurance. Um, We had um, one come in and talk about alternative investments, like, you know, private real estate holdings, things like that. Think non-traditional things that we maybe don't hear about all the time, oil and gas investments, for example. Um, We had a mortgage broker come in and talk about changes in mortgage qualifications and different types of mortgages. Um, We, well, we had a yoga person come in (laughs) once. That person we paid, of course. Um, We had um, somebody come in and talk about mindfulness. We've had an Enneagram personality typing system Mm -hmm. training. Um, Gallup, Strengths Finder. So some of these people we pay, some of these people, you know, they just spend 45 minutes of their time so that we potentially are giving them business in the future. But I mean, I would say on average, you know, a thousand dollars a month for like a group training is probably on the high end and it's really, really effective. And it's, you know, 
it's like you kind of throw that in with your holiday party budget, for example, but it's much more meaningful. So it's a chance for people to spend time together and learn. I think sometimes people forget about those opportunities that are out there. It is a means for, you know, businesses to market, but it is what you take away from those conversations. And there is a lot that you can learn from those uh, individuals. And, you know, you don't know, you also could be setting up a potential opportunity to work with another company in the future. Uh, it, it works both ways. So I think that's a very positive approach and something that our listeners can take away. Um, previously, you had talked about additional items besides the secret sauce of uh, making people happy. What other items do you have on your list of ways that you could grow your business? Yeah, so I get, um, as you might imagine, I get asked about how I grew my firm um, quite a bit. I get inquiries maybe up to a couple times a week of wow. attorneys that want to grow their firm. They're either solos or maybe it's a solo and associate or two partners and they want to figure out how to grow. Um, just for frame of reference, I started six years ago when it was just me and a part-time person to help me. And I just hired my ninth attorney and we're right now interviewing two positions Um, so that would bring us to about 19 total employees. Um, and so people see that and they wonder how I did it and so forth. So, I mean, in talking to many, many law firm owners, um, and people that want to be law firm owners, I've kind of thought to myself, well, let me put it this way. Um, I told somebody in the first year, I said, well, if I did it, you can do it too. And then another (laughs) law firm owner said, "Um, I don't know if that's true. You might want to stop saying that. I love it. um, I'm all about positive encouragement. But I will say I look at other firms and then I kind of think about, well, what are they doing? What am I doing different? Um, What could they be doing better? Like, what do I have to sort of how can I help this person get to where they want to go? I mean, I just, people tell me sometimes to start coaching, but I just, I just like talking to people and helping them. It's just fun for me. Um, so I think what I have noticed, um, with all the attorneys I've spoken to and I've spoken on panels, bar association, done workshops, you know, all kinds of things. So after talking to probably a few hundred law firm owners and kind of comparing against my journey, I've identified a few things that I think that I do that some people maybe don't want to do or aren't as good at. Um, so I would say the main thing is if you want to grow your firm, you need to get comfortable managing people. Um, I think attorneys typically, uh, most of the attorneys I know, they usually did college and then law school right after. Not a lot of business majors that I know of. Right. Um, most people have had zero management training um, and they don't think about management. They don't think about it, you know, for really what it is. Um, and I think that there are a lot of other industries that are way ahead of the legal industry with respect to management. So most people just look at their associate as somebody that they can like kind of walk into their office virtual or otherwise and like dump some files on them. Right. And they just hit the ground running. They just go. Yeah. Manage and so themselves. They just, right. They look at their associate. They're like, this person is somebody I can dump work on. But I challenge listeners out there who want to grow their firm to flip their thinking 
and to say not what an associate can do for you, but what you can do for an associate. (laughs) So I tell the managing attorneys here who have direct reports that you have to completely flip your thinking. And when we hire a young associate or a law clerk or a paralegal, um, we are undertaking to train and mentor that person and we need to be of service to them right. and teaching them how to be a lawyer. I feel like it's it's the old, do not ask what the associate can do for you, but ask yeah. what you can do for the associate. Totally, <laughs> totally that, yeah. I love it. Yeah, so I do think if you're looking at like, the world of lawyers that wants to grow their firms and you're looking at it as a pie, there's like a couple slices there that don't want to manage anybody. (laughs) So um, I think also they might say like, yeah, I want to hire somebody that can just do work. And then I keep, you know, most of the money. Like, yeah, that kind of appeals to almost anybody. Right. If you think about it that way, but if you think about it as, you are bringing somebody into the fold. You are responsible for mentoring them, teaching them, training them, mm-hmm. helping them with their professional development, their networking, all of those things. Um, and you actually have to manage them. You meet with them, you talk to them, you see Help how them they're grow. doing. Yeah, coach you them. Have, and, and you have to ask them, you have to be willing to hear, um, well, how am I doing as a boss? Like, what right. am I doing wrong? And I talk to lots of law firm owners that go, huh, I never asked that anybody that before. And it's like, well, maybe that's why they keep quitting because right. there's stuff that you're doing wrong. Wow. Um, but you have to be receptive to hearing that. So that's like my number one, and it might sound obvious, but if you are not prepared to do all that stuff, then you are probably not going to really, really be growing your friend. Right. Um, and, you know, there's so many topics, so many courses out there. Uh, so many things that you can find online about, you know, management and being a good manager. And they all start with that same approach that you outlined. It's not just, you know, sitting down, giving an update, and it's not just production. How many hours? Or did you complete this much paperwork? It's really uh, more about the perception that they're driving. How am I doing as a boss? What advice do you have for me as an individual? And it's that relationship that you build with that individual that makes it more of a working relationship. Because to be honest, everybody says that you spend a lot of time at work. I know you had talked about work-home balance, but it's still a lot of time at work. Um, so it's important to build that relationship. And I think that is missed in law firms uh, very much. I, I think that a lot of people forget that aspect of it. And two, like you said, they don't know just graduating from law school that a big part of their job is going to be doing that as they grow their individuals' law firms. I mean, that's my major one that I tell people. I mean, the other thing I'll say when people come to me and ask me for help, I... I don't think, I mean, most people aren't good at everything. I mean, it takes so much when you're starting a law firm. There's um, the management, the marketing, the handling, the money, bringing in cases, actually practicing law. And so I think of it as, um, you know, when you're small or when you're a solo, you're wearing like every single hat. And as you grow, you cannot keep all the hats. You have to be giving away hats. 
And I think a great deal of lawyers are really type A, they're controlling, they are used to doing everything themselves, and they have a really, really hard time giving away some hats. And so if you identify um, all the different roles and responsibilities that go into owning a firm, and there are things that you are not good at, then you really need to find a partner or somebody that works for you that can wear some of these hats. And I think sometimes people partner up just because they like a person, which is great. But I think if you are not good with money or you're not good at managing people, but you're really good at bringing cases, you need to find a partner to wear that that hat. Yeah. To wear those hats. Mm -hmm. So the more you grow, the more hats you'll give away. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> and it, it really is, uh, you know, when you're talking about it, management 101, uh, surround yourself with people that can do things that you can't or that is smarter than you or has exactly. other capabilities or other skills that you don't own. I think that is uh, so important. And I do think, you know, a lot of attorneys are very much, you know, that type A and want to be in that uh position of control, but letting go. And I I love your analogy of giving away your hats. I I, I picture every firm when you walk in the door has this uh, hat rack with all of these different hats labeled accounting, marketing, whatever it may be. And, you know, you're wearing them all and the ones that just don't fit very well on you. That's the people that you need to surround yourself with. Right. I mean, one of the things that I read um, that I did that was really effective for me maybe like a year and a half ago, something like that. Um, I made a list of all the things that I do in one month, all the things I do in one week and all the things I do in one day. And the list was just bananas. So, (laughs) I mean, there are things on there that I really like to do, like update the website because Mm -hmm. I just kind of like, I've always worked on websites. I think it's fun and easy and I've done that since high school. And I realized that it just was not an effective use of my time. So even though I like doing the website, it just was not, it was just eating into other things and there are better uses for my time. So uh, when I made those lists, I was able to really look at the things that I probably shouldn't be doing, even if I want to do them or could do them and then give them away. So did you just for a month, just put it in buckets and just write down, you know, website design, uh, financials. Did you do it like that? Was it, is it that big of a bucket? It didn't even take a month. I mean, it took a couple of days. I just kept a notepad right next to my laptop on my desk. Mm -hmm. And I mean, stuff just accumulated on there so fast. I mean, there was stuff I was doing, um, I can't remember when it was. It was probably a year and a half ago because I think it was during COVID. But, um, you know, just I was sending content to the person that sends out our newsletter and I really didn't need to be doing that. Um, You know, the website and the newsletter are the ones that come to mind first. But there were a couple other things that I was like, well, even though I don't mind, do I really need to be doing it or can someone else do it? Right. That's that's certainly a good thing for, you know, people to sit down. and, And it's not just that the hat doesn't fit, but it's also is there a better use of your time and figuring out where you can reduce to focus on more important items to let the business grow or to help guide the business growing. Right. I mean, that sort of takes me to another point, which is you have to let go of doing everything yourself because um, I think, you know, all the law firm owners out there, they know 
and they've put all this, you know, blood, sweat, and tears into building a law firm. And whenever you give something to someone else, it's not their firm. They might not do it the same as you or as well as you. Um, but you know, you can't let that stop you from delegating. I mean, you still have to be comfortable with delegating a lot. If you're not comfortable with delegating, you are probably not going to grow your law firm. So that's something that you just have to get comfortable with. Uh, I write a blog for a local uh, legal newspaper called The Daily Record. And um, I wrote a blog about this. I mean, one example was, I wanted to buy mugs for the firm that had our logo. Mm-hmm. And the person I delegated that to kept trying to show me mugs. And I was like, just buy mugs, put the logo <laughs> on it. Like, I don't care if they're blue, if they're white, if they're big or they're small, like whatever. So, and, and so the subject of my blog post was essentially that like the, you know, she might not have bought the exact same mug that I would have bought, but the difference between her mug and what I would have gotten, you know, it's maybe her color is 80%. But like in terms of like a satisfactory decision, like her mug might've been an 80% and my (laughs) mug might've been an a hundred percent, but the difference between the two is not meaningful. Like I just have to let that go. So (laughs) that is, I mean, it's easy to say, but it is so hard for some people to do that. You know that, right? Yeah, I know. I know. I talk to people. I mean, you just cannot care about the mug. If you care about the mug, you will not grow your lover. We're going to make a t-shirt that says that. We're going to ask, care not for the mug, grow your, your grow your law firm. I love it. Yeah. So, I mean, I think people, if, if they really want to grow their firm, um, it's, you have to sort of get into the CEO mindset. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my favorite um, shows is 30 Rock. Okay. And so, you know, Alec Baldwin mm-hmm. played Jack Donaghy, who was the CEO of like NBC or whatever. And so there was this page, um, Kenneth, and one of my favorite scenes, Kenneth goes to Jack and he goes, um, sir, there's a problem with my paycheck. And Jack says, and you're telling me this because we're the only two people in this company. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, you have to be the person that is making the major decisions, you know? I mean, nobody should be going to Jack Donaghy asking about the mugs or the paychecks or anything like that. So you really have to be protective of your time and only do the things that you have to do and let go of all the other mug-like things. I love it. That is so true. And I think it's easy to fall into the caring about the mug trap also. Even if you get out of not caring about the mug, you fall back into that trap very easily. Uh, There was a uh, paper that was published back in the 70s about uh, management and how to get people to think on their own. And it was really centered around what you were, what you're describing with the mug, but it went into a, a little bit of detail around, you know, when people come to you and they're asking these, you know, these questions, you give that back to them. You say, choose what mug you want, which mug would you choose? Go take care of that and empower them to be able to make that choice. Because if you do continuously make the choice of what mug, then they're going to bring you the next thing. What what uh, drinking glasses should they use? What uh, silverware should it be in the kitchen? Everything is going to be your decision and your time is going to be filled with these decisions 
decisions that could be made by somebody else and you're not spending time on growing the firm. I think in your scenario, the only difference is you're training the employee to think for themselves. I think the problem that I see more with law firm owners, and maybe it's a lawyer thing, mm-hmm. is training the lawyer oh, to not care about the mug. That's true. Like, I'm sure whoever you hired is perfectly capable of doing whatever the thing is, right? Right. But you have to actually not be okay care. to not you care. You have to be about okay with it. You have to trust them. And then, because I do think, you know, I do meet a lot of law firm owners that are micromanaging or managing on the back end. And so they'll say, okay, you do it. But then they they want them to bring it back to them and have the final okay. But you actually have to just really let go of a lot of things. Um, and you really have to trust the people that you hired to have autonomy. Right. Or worse, uh, let them choose the mug and then make sure to point out how they chose the wrong mug. <laughs> that yeah, yeah. I've totally messed with people like that before. I'm like, you bought that thing? Oh, my gosh. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm just joking. Just joking. <laughs> yeah, I I've love done it. that. <laughs> um, so I do think like one of the things that I've seen, so one of the business books that I really like is called The E-Myth Revisited. And I read about, they talk about kind of like an arc of the life of a business and how you need to be planning for growth. And if you're not growing, then you're shrinking and you're dying and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And the thing that really stuck out to me was something that I had seen with my own eyes with other law firm owners, which is they grow, they get bigger. And then all of a sudden you see them get smaller again And they described this phenomenon and I thought it was crazy because I thought what I had seen was like a very unique thing, but it turns out it's not. So when you grow, you start delegating and hiring and then you, somebody messes something up. Mm -hmm. So it's like not a mug anymore, right? Right. It's like, you know, some big things, a big business decision. Yeah. Some big business decision, something, somebody totally messed something up and then the owner freaks out and then takes it all back and starts doing it all themselves again. And then that's when the firm shrinks. Shrinks. Like that's Mm -hmm. when you're in the, in the shrinking, not growing phase. And so I've seen that before. And I do think you have to resist that urge. And that's part of what they talk about in the book. Um, Because somebody will buy the wrong thing, mess up the thing, you know, do something with their case that you didn't like, you know, whatever it may be. And it's just, it's going to happen. Nobody's perfect, including you. And so you have to just keep, stay the course, you right. know, learn to learn your lessons from it, but just, you know. Yes. And the answer cannot be to just take it back over, but instead figure out what you did to, uh, allow that or to, uh, what lack of guidance you gave or maybe even training or whatever it may be. So that doesn't happen in the future. Exactly. I mean, I do think, um, you know, that's sort of for any kind of business, but especially a law firm having processes in place can obviously guard against um, mistakes to some extent and can have, you know, maintain a level of standards that you want um, can maintain quality of work that you want. So, you know, you can't just have, you know, 20 people just like floating Being around. Being autonomous, right. Totally, totally doing their own thing. Like if you want to 
maintain your brand and have a cohesive firm and such, I mean, having processes and procedures and standards is important. Um, so, you know, the more that you grow, the more you're going to have to get processes in place. I mean, you can't just sort of wing it like when you're alone. Right. Um, and so I think that that's definitely important. So I think that's sort of the rational response to (laughs) any hiccup as opposed to just saying, well, I'll do it myself. Sure. Sure. Well, you've definitely given us a lot of advice for, uh, you know, allowing your firm to grow, who you are as an individual, allowing the team. Do you have any parting comments that you want to share with anybody or any kind of last thoughts to leave them with? It's important to think about what you want your firm to be and what makes your firm different and having a brand for your firm. And I think when you start out, you're probably not going to have a brand and you're not going to have a culture and you're not going to know what makes you different because you're literally just probably trying to keep the lights on. Right. But that brand and culture will develop. It's just a question of, is it a good one? Is that the one you want? Right. So you have to be mindful of what culture you're creating, who you want to be. Is is that, you know aligned with your values, um, and so forth. And so I think that's also sort of in the, the special sauce category of really thinking about it and not just sort of allowing it to happen. I think people sometimes forget that a culture and a brand, just like you had said, is going to form on its own. It's going to form. Is it what you want it to be? is the question and how you guide it in that forming process so that it turns out to be what you want your law firm to be defined as. If you don't put the effort in, it's something is going to form. It just may not be what you want. Right. Thank you so much for your time today. That was fantastic. And it's so good to have you back. I do have one more question, though. I believe last time we spoke, you talked about being in a band and singing. and. I think uh, I just wanted to see. Are you? Did you get any further on the singing? Are you? Are you going out? Is it? How, how's the singing <laughs> career going? I did not. Oh. Um. Yeah. I. I'm gonna blame that partially on COVID, but maybe that's gonna be part of my um 2022 resolution. It has to be. You have such a beautiful voice. Thank you. <laughs> well, thank you again for your time. I appreciate it. Thank you, everybody, for listening in to another episode of The Lex Factor. Please make sure to like us and subscribe on anywhere you get your podcasts. And thank you again for letting me be your host. Uh, It's been truly an honor. Thanks for tuning in to The Lex Factor. Lexicon takes care of business so you can take care of law. Learn how to build a better practice at lexiconservices.com.